Hey everybody, this is Harlan. Welcome to the Harlan Highway. And uh, we hit another milestone. Um, and I want to say thank you to each and every one of you. Uh, we got up to 60,000 subscribers to the podcast. It's amazing. We started not too long ago at 2,000. And we just keep growing because of you guys. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for all your comments. Thank you for all your feedback. And we're racing towards 100,000 subscribers um, and couldn't do it without you guys. So let's celebrate 60,000. Thank you. The Harlan Highway. Woo! (laughs) Thank you. And uh, let's keep it going. Riding down the Harland Highway. All right, hold tight on the Harland Highway show. Harland Williams. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, now, that's right. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You are on the highway. You're... You're driving down the highway, you're rolling down the highway, you're careening down the hallway. And I know many of you don't know what that word means. A lot of lot of people watching from DeVry, probably tuning in in the cafeteria, big screen. Everyone from DeVry gathered around, going, what does that word mean, careening? It's not for you to know. You made the choice to go to DeVry, it's not for you to know. Um, welcome to the Harland Highway podcast. Boys, girls, men, women, giants, tinies, fatty, skinnies, blacks, whites, grays, blues, ground, browns, yellows, greens, everyone. Uh, what's up, my player? Um, great show today. Today is a very special show. We started a new feature here on the ha <laughs> And uh, this is where we gave out a phone number, 323-696-0222, and said, hey, why don't we have the uh, Pavement Pounders call in? Why don't we do a show where we hear from y'all, which is you, in South Talk, y'all. That's how South Talkers talk, y'all. So today, we are exclusively exclusively now, hear me, child. We are going to take your phone calls, and yours truly, I'm going to do my best to answer them. Maybe they're uh, you're seeking advice. Maybe you have a question. Maybe who knows what. So let's, uh, let's get into them, and let's start, and we're just going to go through a bunch of these phone calls, and let's see what we got. Here's uh, call number one. Yo, what's up, Harland? This is Timon. Um, coming from Billings, Montana. I work at a, uh, I work at a Cracker Barrel overnight. And I don't know, when the first couple, first couple days they told me, like, every night they reinforced me that, you know, this place isn't haunted. But the more I work here, man, the more I start to hear stuff and people talking that aren't here and people walking around the corners that aren't here. And 
I don't know, man. I just throw your podcast on and try to put it on full blast so I don't have to pay attention to it. But, um, yeah, that's it, man. Maybe make a couple jokes on that or something. I don't know. Dude, no, there's no joking about the undead. The, and believe me, the age bracket that goes to the Cracker Barrel, the, you, you're probably dealing with the undead. I mean, the average customer in there looks like the undead. I think you, you start at 78 and keep going. But uh, look, a haunted Cracker Barrel, yes, it's very, very possible. Um, if you have a waiter or a waitress stroll up to your table and their cadence is sort of like, ooh, would you like some more dumplings with honey chicken gravy on your biscuit? Ooh, how about some more meatloaf? Ooh, how about some uh, chicken uh, cacciatore? Eh, ooh, ooh, I am the ghost of comfort food. How about some golden yellow kernels of corn? Ooh, boo, right? So, dude, don't think that uh, the undead, that ghosts aren't attracted to comfort food. There's nothing comforting about being dead, especially if you didn't make it up there or if you're just hanging in purgatory. You know, hanging in purgatory is kind of like waiting in the gift shop at Cracker Barrel. You're waiting to get into heaven or hell. So maybe you got the, the Cracker Barrel ghosts or the purgatoriers. You know how you, you you go into Cracker Barrel, right? You, you you open the door, you look at the dead people in the rocking chairs outside, and then you walk up to the uh, the uh, maitre d at the old Cracker Barrel. She says, "How many in your party?" And you say, "Oh, there's three of us." Okay, we'll get to you in about fifteen twenty minutes. Meanwhile, you look in, and the place is kind of half emptier than a graveyard. There's a lot of empty tables, but if you haven't noticed, Cracker Barrel very wisely made their waiting area their store, the Cracker Barrel, uh, the Cracker Barrel General Store, right? So now you're not just waiting around in purgatory. Now you're waiting around in Cracker Barrel purgatory shopping for John Deere salt and pepper shakers. You're getting a towel with a kitty on it. You're getting a year-round jack-o'-lantern with a goofy saying on it. You're getting a shaker ball with a little girl holding up a candle in a window. You're getting Christmas ornaments even though it's summer. Boo! Yeah, scary. So now you're wandering around in Cracker Barrel Purgatory waiting for the Lord to call your name. Johnson Table of Three, Johnson Table of Three. Well, I I can't come to my table. I'm just about to buy this John Deere cookie jar. I mean, it's shaped like a manure spreader and everything. I can't turn this down. Johnson Table of Three, Johnson Table of Three, you're going to go straight to hell, straight to hell, and live with Beelzebub, Satan Lord, the Dark Master. Okay, we're coming. Donnie, put that godforsaken John Deere lunchbox down. We're going to eat. And so, you know, if you're going to be a ghost, I think Cracker Barrel is a good place to kind of kill time in purgatory where you're, you're waiting for the calling, Right? 
Because it can't be comfortable being undead, wandering around, waiting on the Lord to call your name. Davidson, come to cloud five. Davidson, come to cloud five, please. Somehow I couldn't talk, but then again, I'm not God, so I was trying to talk like God, and no one should talk like God. That's sacrilege, maybe. I did that little fumble on purpose so that God wouldn't think I was trying to copy him. But anyways, very legit. I believe there are ghosts of Cracker Barrel. Uh, dude, don't sweat it. Just give them, get them a meatloaf, get them a chicken fried steak, get some of that hometown country lemonade, some hot biscuits and some cornbread. Oh, ghosts love cornbread. Just put a basket down in the corner, watch it float around and watch them slowly eat it. You're going to be fine. Ghosts at the Cracker Barrel are, are not the violent, scary kind you get at a haunted mansion. These are usually fatties. They're usually the fat ghosts. They want the big plate of food. They want the comfort food. They're dead. They're not, they're not happy with being undead. They want some comfort. Just They're the fatties. They're the fat ghosts that maybe can't climb the stairway to heaven. You know, maybe they're just a little too chubby around the midsection to get up the stairway to heaven. So they're going to eat some meatloaf or some uh, Cajun-style catfish until the Lord installs an elevator and gets them up there. Or maybe uh, the good Lord Jesus puts an escalator up to the great white puffy place in the sky, hey? So there you go, guy. Uh, yes, there's ghosts of Cracker Barrel, but no, you shouldn't be afraid of them. Just give them something to comfort them. Give them some comfort food. And you're on your way. All right, let's uh, let's hit the next call. I think we resolved that one. Yes, hello. I'd like to place an order for chicken chow mein. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hello. I'd like to place an order for uh, chicken chow mein. How much? Hello. Yes. Well, if you're not going to answer, well, then I guess this is the phone number for me. I answered. How much chicken chow mein do you want? Hello. Hello? Yes, hello. I'd like to place an order for chicken chow mein. Yeah, how much, I said. Hello? Yeah, here. I'm here. Hello? How much do you want? Hello, I'd like to place an order for uh, chicken chow mein. Yeah, how many orders? Hello? Hello? Well, if you're not going to answer, well, then I guess this is the phone number for me. Well, if you just say, dude, I'm going to try yes, again. Yes, I'd like to place an order for chicken, chicken chow, mein. chow mein. Yeah, this is like Groundhog Day. Hello? 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 Hello. Hello, I'd like to place an order for uh, chicken chow mein. Yes, how much do you want? Hello? Hello? Well, if you're not going to answer, well, then I guess this is the phone number for me. Well, maybe this isn't the answering machine message for me. Why don't you go get some egg rolls, loser? Okay, let's move on. org. Hey, Harlan. Hey. Uh, I just want to know, my mom... As the face of a brown cat. What's up with that? Hmm. You know, sometimes cats, they're very clever. Sometimes cats can get into the fridge. And just like us humans, just like dogs, just like bears, just like any critter, none of us are immune to sweets. And you get a cat... And it learns how to pull that fridge open, and it 
its little kitty nose makes its way to the Hershey's chocolate syrup for your ice cream. Gets its little kitty claws all over the floor in its cat dish and then face plant. Just licking that sweet Hershey's chocolate syrup, eh? And you know cats, they go all in. They're not they're not dainty. They when, when it's like when a dog gets milk or ice cream or a cat, they they get a fever. They get a this thing's got pussy milk fever. Just right in all over the face. And uh your mother your mother's been dipping. She's been dipping into the the Hershey's. Mystery solved. Brown-faced cat. Yeah. Let's see who else we got here. Yes, hello. I'd like to place an order for chicken chow mein. Again? Hello? Yeah, hello. Hello. Hi. Hello, I'd like to place an order for uh, chicken chow mein. I'm not a Chinese restaurant. Hello? Hello. Well, if you're not going to answer, well, then I guess this is the phone number for me. Jesus, dude. I've answered you twice. Buzz off. Let's see what else we got. Now, we've been on a lot of podcasts, but this one is a true adventure. Today we're visiting Harlan Williams on his podcast, and he has a highway. Amazing, spectacular, and a fine, fine example of California's gold. Okay. I get it. We're on the highway. We're at Harland. We're on the Harland Highway. A fine example of California's gold. I don't know. Is is referring to the the show as an entity because we film in California? Maybe it's California gold. I don't know. That one's a bit of a mystifier. And, uh, you know, screw you. (laughs) Yes, hello. I'd like to place an order for chicken chow mein. Yeah. How much? Hello? 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 Hello, I'd like to place an order for uh, chicken Chicken chow mein. Chicken chow mein. Yeah, I, I heard you, buddy. Hello? Just order it. Well, if you're not going to answer, well, then I guess this is the phone number for me. Jesus. Hey, Uncle Beef Wellington. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a uh, guy from Erie. You know me. Uh, hey, I, I had a question. I need I need advice. What do you do if you if you got to get a ninety eight degree angle on your flints and flaunts and flaunts and flurf and flarf and rod? What kind of tool do you use? If you've got something wrong with the flunk flunk flank. All right. All right. All right. Well, all right. All right. Chicken chow mein. Chicken chow mein, buddy. Look, if you've got a 45-degree angle on your Franzen Franken Frankendonker, you're going to need to get that fixed because everyone knows a Franzen Franken Frankendonker has to rest usually at about a 65-degree angle. And if you're not calibrated properly, you're going to have all kinds of Franklin-Frankel-Fringham problems. So what I would do is I'd open the old toolbox and pull out the Runkle Dunkle Binkle Dunk Munkle Dunkle 7205 and just give it about six counterclockwise rotations to the left and uh, your Funkle Dunkle uh, Rumple Dunkle uh, Rumple Stillskin Funkle Dunkle should be just probably running smoother than it's ever run before uh so i hope that helps um you know it's pretty straightforward and just to reiterate uh 65 degree calibration 
with the uh, Drinkle Dunk Munkle Bunker, uh, three twists to the left, counterclockwise to the right, and your Fungle Dunk a Bunk, Rungle Dunk a Clinkle Bunker should be like, boom, running better than like the day you bought it, like the day you bought it, guy. Okay, great. We're getting we're getting into these. These are these are important. Hey, Aaron, this is uh, Clee here. Um, listen, I, you know, so I was just watching this uh, recent, most recent episode. You have a background of a, a guy looks like some kind of a frog man with a riding on an orange. It looks like a bass fish. Anyways, you have your camera set up, the, the stand set up perfectly to where there's that circle where it bends and it's strategically placed to where it looks like it's the eye of that fish. I was just wondering if that was some kind of a psychological trick or uh, what you got going on there or if anybody else has noticed that. Um, anyways, that was about it. Hope everything's going well. Bye. Um, of course it's a psychological trick. Um, how do you think I get people to watch this podcast? Do you think they're just going to tune in? Do they think they're just randomly going to hear about it? Do you think if, if, if I didn't have this, they would tune in and stay for the whole podcast? Not likely. So, yes, I use my, uh, psychological mind tricks to lure people in with the, by the way, this is a koi fish or some kind of a orange goldfish koi fish type of thing. Um, I use the, I place this right over the eye as a psychological way to entrap you, to keep you here, to hold you hostage. The old fish eye, buddy. The old fish eye. Just try and look away. Just try and break the spell. You can't. You won't be getting out of here till I play that final theme music at the end. And that's not it. So don't even, no, don't even try. But seriously, what a question. So you'd be amazed at how many people have inquired about the, the, uh, the joint of this, uh, this microphone arm lining up perfectly with the eye of the orange koi fish. Now, I would like to think that I'm so clever that I set that up, but to be honest, it's a complete and utter accident. It's amazing how you never know what people are going to gravitate to. You could give a whole talk about, I could give a TED talk about future civilizations, alien life, underwater sea creatures, microbiology, and maybe get a couple of comments. But it's always fascinating to me what human beings are drawn to. And this little thing that you pointed out has drawn so much attention if you read the comments on YouTube, if you, it, it's just, it fascinates me that people picked up on this. And by the way, I had no idea I was doing it. It's just one of these rare kind of sweet, harmonious perfections in life, a complete accident. But I noticed it too when I was editing the podcast. I was like, wait a minute, that, what's something's, whoa, that, that, that round, glossy joint lines up perfectly with the fish's eye. And I don't know if it's a distraction. I don't know if it's cool. I don't know uh, if it's happenstance. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to question it. 
If I got me a magic fish eye, you tell me a podcast that has that. You show me a podcast that has a, a magic fish eye. Rogan doesn't have it. Theo Vaughn doesn't have it. Bill Burr doesn't have it. I gots it. I gots it. And if you don't think I'm not going to use that psychologically to my advantage to keep you here and lure in others, I mean, symbolically, this is almost like the gingerbread house for Hansel and Gretel. I'm just luring you in. Look into my eye. Look into my fish eye. Ooh. So, yeah, pretty pretty interesting that um, people gravitated to this thing. But sometimes the best uh, things are fun little accidents, aren't they? So, Arlen, greetings from Austin, Texas. It's Chris here, first time, long time. Uh, I had a question that I thought only you could answer. I spilled maple syrup on my hockey stick, and I tried to wash it off with a little Canada Dry ginger ale, and I knocked over a big jug of Canadian goose fat and grease on my Canadian goose down jacket. What do I do? Thanks from Austin. You got it, buddy. From Austin, revoke your American citizenship immediately. Uh, It's clear to me you're Canadian. Uh, It's one thing if one of those things happen, but when you have five or six happen in a row consecutively... That's the, that's the good Lord up above. That's the, the God of Canada telling you to get up north, revoke your American citizenship, become a Canadian citizen. Hit the fish eye. Canadian citizen and get to dripping. Get to dripping the syrup. Get to spreading the gravy. Get to drinking the Canada dry. Get to shillelaying baby seals whatever you got to do just get canadian uh good good to know good to know hi harlan uh my name is john i'm from spokane washington and uh i'm a a long time listener first time caller and i was just wondering what you think about janitors and is that cool and why does nobody ever talk about them Thank you. Uh, you're doing a good job, bud. Uh, thank you very much. Bye. Whoa. That is cool. And why isn't anybody talking about janitors? Why aren't you, people at home, talking about janitors or building custodians, as they like to be called in the more elite circles? When was the last time you had an in-depth conversation about a janitor, and if not, why haven't you? Um, I'm sensing some kind of discrimination. I'm sensing a little bit of alienation of the janitor sect. Not cool. So let's start talking about janitors. Let's get them in the vernacular. Let's pop them in. And get them back in the mainstream where they belong. I don't want a long conversation to go by without someone dropping in a janitor mention. But let's talk about them. What do we know about janitors? Interesting people. I always think about the, the eyes of a janitor. Think about the eyes of a hawk or an owl. 
You know, we step outside, we see the buildings and the trees and the clouds and the sun, but a, an owl or a hawk, their, their eye is specifically trained looking for movement from up above. That they, they, they pick off slight movements from rodents, squirrels, field mice, rats. And it's kind of the, it's kind of the focus of their eye because their survival depends on it, right? And so you think about the function of a janitor or a custodian. And their function is to travel through airports and schools and warehouses and homes and wherever they may be. And I've always wondered about the eye of the janitor. What does the janitor see? When we walk through an airport, when we walk down the hallway in a school or a university, a college... Do we see that cigarette butt in the corner? Do we see the dust bunny blowing across the hall? Right? Do we see the smudge on the wall? Do we see the chip in the paint? Do we see the grape juice stain right over there in the corner? Do we see that the, the urinal cake is reduced down to the size of a quarter and maybe too small and ineffective? Do we notice the snot clusters spit on the wall in front of the urinal? And if you ladies don't know what I'm talking about, you go to any men's urinal, and for some reason, on the wall, right in the eye line, there's clusters of boogers. I don't know if men are picking their nose and putting them in their mouth and spitting them on the wall. I don't do it, but somebody's doing it, because there's a Hell of a lot of booger scattered around above the urinal now, child. So, very curious, the eye of a janitor probably picks up on things we don't see. They'd probably make good detectives, you know, like a Sherlock Holmes or a Magnum P.I. Because their, their eye is trained to look for little Things, little things that a detective would probably consider clues, forensic clues, strands of hair, cigarette butt filters, an old toothpick covered, swarming with DNA. I don't know if anyone's ever brought this up before, but since we're talking about janitors, maybe janitors, the next level up from being a janitor is a private investigator, a private eye, a dick. Because they have that eye. They have that eye for detail. They pick up on all the little things we just take for granted. They pick up on all the little things that we don't really see, but they see them. Because they have a trained eye, the same way the the hawk and the owl looks for the movement in the grass from the mouse to the rodent. So fascinating creatures, these, these janitors. Picking up on things, looking at things, peeping toms through your window when you're undressing at night. You fat men taking your bras off and letting your men boobs sag down. Just know that there's a janitor standing in the weeds outside your house, lurking in the dark. Watching your gelatinous man boobs bounce up and down like a couple of sea cucumbers that fell out of a building window. Just boom, 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 boom. There's a janitor watching, waiting, hoping there's some stains. Some dirty men boob stains. So, excellent question. And look at look at all the all the things you you conjured up by forcing us 
to pull janitors into the conversation. And I urge all of you at your next black tie affair, at your next social gathering, your, your next family reunion, inject the janitor conversation into the, into the conversation. Bring up the janitor, no matter what you're talking about. Infuse your conversation with some janitor talk. I think we all win when that happens. I think we all win. Hey, everybody. Check out my merchandise at harbling.com. Yeah, most people just slap some letters or images on a T-shirt or a hoodie, but not me. Yours truly. Guess what? I draw my own designs at harbling.com. You can see tons of my hand-drawn T-shirts. Uh, you can either buy the original or you can buy a print. And uh, man, oh man, wear them loud and proud. Um, I love making these designs for you guys and uh, keeping it personal. So check out the whole uh, catalog. We got hoodies. We got coffee mugs. We got uh, T-shirts. You name it. It's there at harbling.com. Get your uh, Harland original design, wearable art at harbling.com today. And uh, thank you for your support. And I'll just keep the uh, the groovy images coming. Hey, Harlan. My name is Adam, and uh, I've been a juggalo since high school, you know, for now, like, going on 20 years. And uh, I've been down with the clown, telling him dead in the ground. And uh, there's always people making fun of juggalos, uh, lots of podcasters. I always use uh, juggalos as a reference for, like, dorks and nerds and losers. And uh, what do you have to say about that? Because it always kind of pisses me off. Anyway, stay up, Harlan. You're the man. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. I hear you, bro. I feel your pain. That's that's not cool. You know, the juggalos are friends of mine. I was in their movie Big Money Hustler. We had Violent J right, sitting right here. Sitting right here. Uh, he's on one of the episodes. If you want to go back and look in the archives, we had a great time. And, uh, you know, it, it's never fun when any specialty group is berated and made fun of because we all have our hobbies in life. We all have our things of interest. So whether you like working in the garden, you like painting, you like collecting hockey cards, you like flying toy airplanes. You like going to museums. You like the Juggalos. And by the way, just so you know, the Juggalos are the intense fans of the Insane Clown Posse, which is a crazy kind of urban rock uh, rap band. Um, they have pretty extreme lyrics. They're they're wild. They're edgy. They're controversial. And... And they wear face paint. They, 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 they dress up like crazy clowns, black and white face paint. Really kind of stark imagery. Really looks cool. And so a lot of the juggalos uh, emulate uh, what they see with the band. And they do the makeup. And they, they get into the lyrics and the music. It's sort of a whole subculture in the music world. And I say, good on you, mate. I mean, what's the difference? If you like reggae... If you like pop, if you like ska, if you like uh, rap, 
if you like uh, soft rock, whatever you like, man, no one should be able to denigrate you for your choices. So all y'alls just back off on the juggalos and, uh, you know, let them have their, uh, their hobby. Let them have their taste. Let them have their circle of friends. Everybody just wants to belong, child. Everyone just wants to belong, and sometimes, sometimes people feel unity, and they feel like they belong when they find um, groups that have the same thoughts, same vibes, same tastes in music. Same way you got like heavy metal people kind of hang out, and uh, you know the 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 Biebers and the Taylor Swifters, and all you know everyone's got their niche, man. So live and let live. And uh, you go, Juggalos, and uh, all y'all that are uh, making fun of them, just uh, dial it down, Nacho. Because uh, what's to say that someone can't turn around and make fun of your likes? Mm-hmm. I'll speak the truth, child. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's up, Cottage Cheese Tet? Just wanted to call you and say thanks for the great show you do every week. I'm uh, actually a Canadian truck driver myself. And so all of all the shows I listen to while I'm driving, yours is the one I look forward to the most, and that's I'm being honest there. So thank you for that. I'm a longtime fan of yours from, you know, of course, Something About Mary back in the day and ICP's movie Big Money Hustlers. Um, I have a question for you. What's your favorite role been, and what uh, what have your, you know, some of your favorite people that you've worked with been? Um, just curious about that. I know you talk about it a lot, but uh, mm-hmm. and uh, have you ever considered taking Highland Highway on the road and interviewing people along the way, perhaps, um, kind of like a cross-country road trips? You know, interviewing people along the way. Just an idea. I think it'd be great. And uh, yeah. Anyway, keep up the good work and say hi to Donnie Osmond's asshole for me next Saturday night. Thanks, Highland. Bye. Donnie Osmond's asshole next Saturday night. How did he know? How did he know? Wow. Uh, let's do. Let's work backwards from Donnie Osmond's asshole to taking the Harlan Highway on the road. Conceptually, it's an interesting idea, uh, but it would be a lot of work. It would involve lugging the equipment, the camera equipment, the sound equipment, the lighting, and then you got to set up in a strange place where you're not specifically comfortable. The surroundings might not be ideal. It might be noisy. It might there might be interference. So, I sort of like creating this home base. I like coming to the home base. It's kind of like coming into my den or a man cave or a a set, a movie set or a TV set. You know. There's a, there's a comfort to coming here, and there's a comfort to bringing my guests here. Now, visually, I think it could be interesting um, to go to other places, but I've watched this on other podcasts, too, and I always feel a little bit displaced when I see a podcast that I'm familiar with, and then suddenly the, the person who I'm used to seeing on their set is interviewing someone in a trailer, or they're interviewing someone at a restaurant, or they're in their home. It just sort of, it takes me out of that familiarity place that I like. And I think most people, I think uh, that was part, as, as a guy who was in the entertainment industry, that they actually, by design, uh, made, uh, you know, the friends 
the friend set, you know, Chandler and Ross's uh, living room and uh, Rachel's living room and shows like All in the Family and any sitcom you've ever seen, Seinfeld's Apartment, uh, Taxi, the... They create these places that are very inviting and familiar, and it sort of creates a feeling of comfort and home for you, the viewer, all six of you. And believe it or not, I subscribe to that. I think I think that's an effective thing, and I think people enjoy coming to a familiar setting because they're used to it, and it's like, ah, oh, here we go. It's like it's like putting on a pair of old warm slippers or old pajamas. Um. And although I like the idea of moving around, it's, it's a lot of logistics. It would be a lot of traveling with a bunch of equipment. It would be a lot of setting up. And, you know, sometimes when you're used to broadcasting in your own space, you're very comfortable. And I feel like going into a new setting all the time would just be a little bit, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be in the perfect element for me. Now, this isn't to say it would never happen. I mean, if uh, John Bon Jovi said, I'll be on your podcast, but you can got to come to my living room, I'd be like, well, okay. You know, I'd make exceptions, but uh, so it's a good call, buddy. But uh, yeah, not, uh, I don't think uh, you'll be seeing any of that anytime soon. I hope that doesn't uh, dismay you and make you, well, if he's not going to move around, then I'm, I'm getting off the Harlan Highway. How dare he? I was hoping to see his next show in Cleveland, Ohio, in the root cellar of Helen Keller. Why has he got to be in the same place all the time? Why has he got to make me feel so comfortable and relaxed? Why do I feel like I'm at home when I'm watching him? I don't like it. I didn't like my own home when I was growing up. Why does he torment me? Why does he do this to me? What is that fisheye looking at me? Ah. Anyways, let's get on to the first question you had. What were uh, some of my favorite roles and who are some of the coolest people I worked with? I, I imagine you're talking about actors. Uh, I think all my roles are my favorite because when you do a movie or a TV show, you're carving out a new character, a new personality. These are characters and, and personas that live within you. And that came out of you. You gave birth to them. They're almost like your children. So I love them all. Even if the movie's bad or good, I love them all. But there are a few that really kind of stood out. I, I loved my character Fred Randall in Rocket Man, a movie that I did for Disney. Not the Elton John Rocket Man, the Harland Williams Rocket Man that predated the Elton John Rocket Man. Um, Really fun character, really lovable character. Um, I loved finding him. And also, I was the lead in that movie. It's always it's always really interesting when you're the lead in a movie because then you really have to develop a character that you think will sustain and be interesting for an hour and a half, two hours, the length of the movie. Because when you're the star of the movie, you got the most screen time. You got to kind of carry the movie. And so... You really have to dig into the character and find it and believe in it and and hopefully make it work. So um, I think Fred Randall was one of those characters. Um, you know, I liked I liked playing uh, Kenny on Half Baked, the school teacher. He was such a sweet, lovable guy, but yet here he was a stoner. I loved the uh, I loved getting into the mind of the serial killer hitchhiker and something about Mary. It was just so. 
it was so cool. I kind of had to turn on this switch where I was just kind of like living in my own little reality. And like, even though I was with Ben Stiller, I was still kind of, he almost wasn't there. I kind of created this whole kind of distant, faraway universe in my own head. So uh, it's hard to really pinpoint my favorite, favorite role because they're all so near and dear to me. I think any actor might tell you the same thing. It's it's sort of what we live for as actors because we're, we're just ourselves most of our lives and then one day they're like, be this guy for three weeks, be this guy for four days, be this guy for four months. And uh, it's really a, a privilege and an honor and it's, it's a gift to be able to, to step into those worlds and, and be, those, be those characters. So I got to say all of them, buddy. Um, and as far as some of the cool people I've worked with, I, I think I want to put at the top of the list probably Bruce Willis. Um, I did a movie called The Whole Nine Yards with Bruce. And, of course, you know Bruce. He's a, he's a megastar. At the time we were doing The Whole Nine Yards, he was, you know, one of the top movie stars on planet Earth. God bless him now what he's dealing with. It breaks my heart to know that he's dealing with his issues and he's, he's going through what he's going through. God, it's just so sad because I knew him personally. And he was such a radiant and vivacious person sort of you know you you always wonder if movie stars give off something that other people don't and Bruce definitely radiated some kind of essence Uh, it was just interesting to be around him Um, when I went on the set of the whole nine yards I, I wasn't sure how to really be around him because you know he was up here and I was here and I had just come off of um there's something about Mary and and here I am doing this movie with one of the biggest stars in the world, the whole nine yards. And and the guy just walked right up to me, introduced himself, right away made me feel comfortable. He was funny. He was inviting. He was generous. And when we were on set, he was amazing. And offset, he was inclusive. He invited me up to his, his hotel penthouse for parties. He he invited us to a bar one night. He he bought out a bar and he got up and sang. He had a he you know Bruce had a few number one hits on the radio. He bought me a nice beautiful video camera as a present at the end of the shoot, and he was just like charming and nice. And I guess what really caught me was, you know, I I guess a lot of times you think every you know someone of that stature could be a, a real prick. They could be conceited and condescending and, and uh, you know, all that stuff you think. And you do hear about it with some big, big-name people, people that have huge egos and huge careers. But, man, the experience I had with Bruce was, was really memorable and beautiful and charming and uh, really just kind of just kind of wowed me with how he carried himself and who he was and, and what he did. Um, which doesn't diminish any of the other amazing stars I worked with. Oh, my God, Jim Carrey and Richard Dreyfuss and Jeff Daniels and James Caan and Dustin Hoffman and Robert De Niro. And, God, I've worked with so many incredible actors. Ben Stiller. I mean, just I've been really lucky to to uh, work with some greats. So, um so they're all they all are great in their own way, but um, I'm going to say Bruce was right at the top. So a uh, great question, cowboy. 
Um, I like that one. Good day. This is Lance from Texas, and I wanted to ask Mr. Harlan, do you prefer freshwater fishing or saltwater fishing, and why? Ooh. Thank you. That's a cool question. Now, most of you that watch the Holland Highway, you may or may not know that I've been an avid fisherman my whole life, love fishing, loves me some fishing. And that's a pretty um, solid question. Do you like saltwater fishing or freshwater fishing? Wow. You know, freshwater fishing is, is more concentrated i'll say because when you go into a body of fresh water you usually kind of know the way the water works and moves you know in terms of of how the water's moving around you're not dealing with tides you're not dealing with waves and when you're in a lake you're in kind of a confined ecosystem where you know what the fish species are you know usually a lake will have some bass and maybe some trout and some sunfish and some perch but you kind of know what you're getting in a lake now when you step into the ocean <coughs> excuse me that's a whole new like ball game in the ocean you've got you're at the mercy of the mighty sea you've got the waves you've got the tides you've got currents uh, you've got you've got coral reefs. You've got great depths. You have shallows. You and you've also got three trillion species of fish. So one of the things I love about the ocean is its its wildness, its untamed wildness. I love that in the ocean you never know what you're going to pull up. You could have a little bait on and hope you're going to get a fish this big and something like this hooks onto you. You don't know if you're going to pull up a catfish or a shark when you're in the ocean. I mean, there are some very specific ways you can fish to get certain fish. Like I've fished for halibut on the bottom of the ocean, and I've fished for king salmon at a certain depth, and I've fished for flounder, and I've fished for redfish, and I've fished for swordfish. I mean, there's different techniques, but the ocean has no rules. And so regardless of what you're fishing for, there's sort of a magic to it because you never know what you're going to get. And obviously in the ocean, you never know how big a fish is going to get. Usually in a lake, you can go, okay, this lake, the record in this lake is like a five-pound largemouth or smallmouth bass. So you, you kind of work from there. You're not really going to get anything monstrous. Um, but the ocean fills you with surprises. So I love the ocean fishing for that, the unpredictability, not just from the species, but also just from what the water's going to do. You could go out on a sunny day, the water's flat as glass, and two hours later you could be racing to shore because there's a, there's a hurricane coming in, man. The ocean is just its own master, and it changes and moves, and you got to... You got to know what you're doing when you're fishing out in the ocean, especially if you get out deep, if you get out far. If you're closer to land, you're you're a little safer, but even then, it, it can turn on you real fast. It can it can get lumpy, as they say. So I think that creates uh, quite a bit of excitement and and uh, gets your adrenaline going. Um, maybe the ocean's a little bit easier to fish because there are so many fish. There are so many species. It's just endless. Um, and maybe I like a lake because it's a little more challenging. Fresh water. It's, it's like you got to kind of, 
you got to learn how to hunt for the fish more, I think, in a lake. Like, if there's trout, then you've got to learn to drop your line way down deep where the trout are in the cooler water. But if you're going for bass or pike or muskie, you got to, like, skirt along the shore and cast your line in right in front of the weed beds or in front of an old log because those fish like to hang around in shallower water. I mean, there's there's so many variations. Um, and one of the things that you do get in fresh water that you don't get in the ocean, and you can fly fish in the ocean, but obviously when you fly fish from the ocean, in the ocean you've got to do it from a boat or from the shore. But one of the magical things about fly fishing in fresh water is you get to stand in the fish's element. You know, mostly when you fish, you're on a boat, you're on a dock, you're on a kayak, you're, you're, you're somewhere based in land. But traditionally, when you fly fish, and you fly fish, uh, you know, walking, you are standing with your hip waders on up to your chest, you are standing in the fish's element. And there's something very magical and connective about that. It's very organic, because... You are now the predator standing in the fish's world. You can feel the current of the river rushing against your legs. You can feel the stones and the sand under your feet. <laughs> and you're, I better take a drink. I'm getting all worked up here. Oh. So it's really, it's really beautiful and magical. If you've never gone fly fishing, I really recommend it. It's a whole different style of fishing. There's a lot of finessing. I'm doing this because you. it's all about the wrist. you got to learn how to work your wrist and flick your fly line about, you know, 70, 80 feet out into the river. If you see a little log, you've got to learn how to, you've got to learn to be able to cast and just drop your, your fly right where you want it to drop. And I got really good at it. I can, like, pick a spot and go, I want my, I want my fly to drop, like, four inches from that lily pad and you get really good at it. And so there's a real skill with it. But more than anything, it's, it's that connectiveness. It's, it's being in, in the water with the fish. And then you hook the fish. And here comes the fish in. And he's like, it's just you in the water. And he's coming up. He's swimming around your legs. And you're dipping your net in. And so, man, oh, man, I don't know if I can give you an answer. But I hope those two answers, like, kind of illuminated you a little bit as to how much I love both of them. Uh, I don't know if I can pick one or the other. It's kind of like asking me about my movie roles. Like they're they're all just so precious, right? And fishing is fishing, but uh, just the, the, the different offerings are just too cool to, to say one's better than the other. So I'm just going to say fishing, fish eye, fish eye, fish eye, fish eye, psychology, got you in a trance, psychological fish eye trance. I caught you. I caught you. This is all about catching you. <laughs> yes, hello. I'd like to place an order for chicken chow mein. Yeah, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, chicken chow mein. Hello, I'd like to place an order for uh, chicken chow mein. Yeah, how much do you want? Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Well, if you're not going to answer, well, then I guess this is the phone number for me. <sighs> I guess not, buddy. But you know what is the phone number for you guys? If you enjoyed this segment, let me know. The phone number is 
696-0222. This is the first time we've ever done this, so please forgive me that I kind of hit things a few times too many. Um, but uh, it's just a work in progress. But if you enjoyed this, let me know in the comments, and uh, you know I'll try and do this a little more regularly. Um, you can phone in and leave a message. Ask me about anything you want. Um, don't leave anything too super long because, uh, you know, we, we can't play it if it goes on and on and on. But, you know, just do what you do. 323-696-0222. And uh, if you guys dig uh, this format, we'll do some more of it. Um, meanwhile, I want to say thank you to all of you guys for your comments. I love reading the comments. Just so you know, I read all the comments. Um, and don't be bashful. They can be good. They can be bad. They can be whatever you want them to be. You won't chap my hide. Uh, just be honest and say what you want to say. And um, I appreciate you guys taking the time to write the comments. I appreciate you subscribing. Please hit that subscribe button. Even if you've listened to 30 episodes and you haven't hit subscribe yet, just hit it because that helps us attract sponsors and Sponsors help keep the lights on here on the set so that I don't have to travel to Bon Jovi's house and do a podcast. You know what I mean? So uh, thank you, everyone, for subscribing, for listening. And uh, just so you know, we got some some more great guests coming up uh, down the road here, some great comedians, some uh, really fun people, and um, I think you'll have a good time. Uh, and I think that's it. I don't think we have any more calls um, yeah, so I'd like to place an order for chicken chow mein. This guy. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, you want chow mein? Hello? Do you want chow mein? Hello, I'd like to place an order for uh, chicken chow mein. Just order it, dude. Hello? Well, fuck off. Well, if you're not going to answer, well, then I guess this is the phone number for me. <laughs> I guess not, man. I, thank you for everyone who called in. Great calls. Um, some of them silly. Some of them... Uh, Great. Some of them, who knows? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'll, t- I'll take them all. Now, just don't be offended if, if you don't hear your phone call because we are getting lots of them. There are dozens and dozens and dozens coming in. So we obviously we can't play them all. Don't be offended. Um, you are loved. You are thanked for taking the time to do it. We just, we can't do them all. It's too many. Um, and speaking of too many, we're kind of at the end of the road. I see the dead end sign up ahead. Um, so that's it, um, folks. Let's hit the uh, the old theme music, the old fisheye theme music. Uh, thank you so much, y'all, for being on the Holland Highway podcast. Don't forget, we now have a store attached to our YouTube page. So if you want to buy some Harlan Highway merchandise, uh, we got T-shirts, we got hoodies, we got coffee mugs, we got stickers. Just go to the YouTube page. Uh, the Harland Highway podcast YouTube page and check out our store. You can get your own merch and also go to harlandwilliams.com and check out my stand-up comedy special and harbling.com where you can buy my hand-drawn t-shirts, all kinds of dot-coms flying around here. Uh, I gotta go, but uh, until next time, uh, chicken chow mein, everyone. Chicken Chow mein. Yes, hello. I'd like to place an order for chicken chow mein. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Chow mein.
Well, I'd like to play some more for uh, chicken chow mein. Do it. Hello? Oh, fuck. Well, if you're not going to answer, well, then I guess this is the phone number for me. See you next time. <laughs>